0: Hey friends, welcome to around the campfire with Amy. It's season two, where I'll be joined by my friend and co-host, Anne.
1: it's no secret. The best stories have always been shared around a campfire. We'll have a conversation with our guests campfire style, leaving you inspired, encouraged,
0: and glad you pulled up a stump to listen in. So grab your favorite campfire beverage, kick back and relax. And we'll stoke the fire.
2: You start in the pre-production phase. You generate an idea of what your television show is going to be. Once a production company and the network decide on that, then you put together a, a first episode, right? And there are so many things you're trying to establish. You're trying to establish your style. You're trying to establish uh, you know, everything about how you're shooting and everything about what you're going to be revealing.
0: Today, Anne and I are talking to Jeff Warren. Jeff is an Emmy-winning television show editor. We talk about just exactly what it takes to get that TV show onto your screen. And Jeff also shares some super fun things he's gotten to experience along the way. This is a fun one where I promise you're gonna learn something new. Here's our conversation with Jeff.
1: Hello, and welcome back to the campfire. This is Anne Warren. And this is Amy Shirola. And today we have my favorite guest that we'll ever have on the podcast. Are you sure? Like it's going to be your favorite ever. Oh yeah.
0: Of all time ever.
1: (laughs) It's my husband, Jeff Warren. Hello.
0: (laughs) Welcome to the campfire, Jeff.
1: Thank you.
2: I appreciate it.
0: So you may be thinking, well, Anne just became the co-host and now she's dragging her husband on the podcast. But the truth is... I wanted Jeff on the podcast because Jeff has the coolest job ever. Thank you. So Jeff, what is your job?
2: I am a television editor and sometimes I'm a producer as well.
0: Okay. So I don't know about you guys, but I have never met a television show editor and I have a million questions. So we're going to talk to Jeff today about how he became one and what exactly it takes to get that TV show on your TV. Sounds great. Okay. So let's see, Jeff, what made you want to get into video?
2: When I was in junior high, one of my best buds at the time, Bo, his father was the weatherman for Channel 7 out in Los Angeles. And I thought, that is so cool. And as I thought about it more and more, I thought, you know, I think it'd be really cool to be a weatherman. It'd be fun to get up there and You know, you never have to be right. You can just tell it whatever you want. (laughs) And
0: (laughs) amen to that.
2: Yeah. And so his dad said, you know, I think you should look into sports, which is hilarious because I'm not a huge sports guy. And later on, as I tell you more of my career, you'll think this is hilarious. So, <laughs> um, but anyways, I always loved television. Uh, I guess even backing up before junior high is I used to make uh, home videos, you know, with a VHS camcorder oh, yes. and we'd do all sorts of silly things. Like we'd be standing there and someone would take a magic wand and hit you on the head and you'd hit the stop button on the recorder and then you'd get out and you'd hit it again and so it looked like, you know, you had made yourself disappear. And, uh, oh, man, we had some serious stunts as well. We did a uh, James Bond film where we took a matchbox car and just, uh, you know, lit it on fire. And we thought we were just about the coolest guys in the world.
0: Well, I so, mean, I, I feel like that is that is really cool,
1: quite frankly. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. It's where, you know, a dream's got to start somewhere.
2: Yep. So, so that's kind of, uh, I guess, a, a baseline for how I enjoyed television. Uh, the other thing is that I, I am, you know, my parents are storytellers and I certainly uh, have taken that on. I really enjoy stories. And I think that's how, you know, all the world talks is that you, you want to share something that's interesting. And so it, it just felt very natural for me.
0: So what was that first video job that you got?
2: Like, uh, well, let's see. In college, my first job was renting cameras to students. So that was my—I guess CTV, that could be a, yeah, Colorado State campus, university. Yeah, Ooh. that's where I met the fetching Mrs. Warren. So, uh, but let's say that my first job that I actually got paid for was a small independent film called Sign of the Times, and I worked on that with my what I refer to as my editing mentor, John Malden. And so I think I made $75 for working about four months, usually <laughs> like four days a week for about 16 hour days oh, so- before my we were
1: married. So, you know, income, whatever. Right.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Right.
2: <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, going forward, my first uh, job where I actually collected a paycheck and the government took my money, that was working for. Back in the day, it was TCI, it became at t it became Comcast, but essentially it was editing commercials uh, for all the local uh, businesses. So if a pool company wanted to build a commercial, they would hire us, or usually they'd buy airtime and then they'd get a commercial made for free. So that was awesome. And it really allowed me to have a lot of fun in, in editing short segments, You know, 30 seconds, 45, 60, things like that.
0: So how does one learn, like, is it on the job learning? Like, do you just get in there or do you learn from your coworkers or do you have to take classes? Like, how do you That's a
2: great question. So for me, obviously I went to Colorado state and we had amazing professors there and really had a great time learning in there. We had, you know, various classes on video production and editing and whatnot, but I think it's a good question because what you said is true is that you just have to dedicate yourself to sitting in front of a computer, learning how to edit. Um, actually, when we first learned it was tape to tape, we had SVHS like literal, machines,
1: like yeah. analog. And this was in like late nineties. Yeah, so it was like right on the cusp. I'm going to brag on Jeff for a couple of times, but here's the first one. So late nineties, we're students, we're editing a literal tape to tape. And this, then this non linear computer editing comes out and Jeff dives into it. He asks all the questions and he just, there's a system at school and he's on it all the time.
0: So when you say tape to tape, I feel like you're going to have to explain to some of the younger listeners, what exactly is tape to tape.
1: Yeah.
2: So you have, well, let's imagine that your iPhone recording is uh, on a, a machine called a VCR and it has a tape cassette <laughs> with physical tape on it. And that's what the frames were literally printed upon. So instead of having a digital medium, you had a very physical medium. So what you would do is you would have two VHS machines or VCR machines, and on one you would play it. And on the second one, you would record it. So it would take exactly what was on uh, VHS B- A and put it onto VHS B. So imagine just stacking clips one after another onto a tape. I guess that's the best way to explain it. Good. Yeah, that's, that's a, good. That's a okay. good way.
0: Well, and that that like that the time, because I would be the person who like took something out and then I was like, well, wait a minute, I want to put that back in. And that was not an easy process, right?
2: Tremendously <laughs> difficult back in the day because you had to make sure everything was perfect when you set that. And it was so wild because you'd have a pre-roll of three seconds. So it would start playing your record side. Uh, that's the B side. So it would start playing whatever you had in your program. And then all of a sudden, whatever you had told it to take from the A side from and just start laying it down until it went until you, you set out. It it was wild, especially when you wanted to try and do, you know, multiple quick edits and things like that. You'd really have to time things well. But it was it was really cool to learn that because, you know, a lot of people who edit digitally don't understand the genesis from which it came, right? right so right. for instance, in one of the programs I use called Avid, they have these things called bins where all the clips are stored. And on it it has a little uh, icon with a film strip. And that is because it started in film editing, right? And what you'd have is a bin,
1: like a on physical the wall. bin
2: on the wall with all oh, these man. film strips in it. <gasps> and so you wouldn't know that it's called a bin or why the film icon is there if you didn't understand how it all you know, progressed to that point. So it's really cool that I feel like we got to learn at a really great spot because we got to learn from the basics. Although I never got to cut film, which a lot of my friends did. And I wish I had done that.
0: Okay. So you you meet, and then you're meeting Ann in college. So you yes. guys meet and your dreams kind of align, like the things Very you like. much Very much align. We so
2: both s- wanted to be news anchors or reporters mm-hmm. or both. And- After we did internships, I did mine at CBS in Los Angeles.
1: And I did mine at NBC Channel 9 in Denver.
2: Yep. And from discussing with reporters, I came to the conclusion. Now, mind you, this is right at the end of my senior year, right? I come to the conclusion, I want no part of the news business. (laughs) (laughs) I've just invested four years of my life into figuring out how to do it. And And a
0: whole lot of money.
2: Oh, yes. Yeah. And (laughs) so, yeah, yeah, it was kind of wild. Um, but really it came down to the fact that I knew that I wanted to have a family at mm-hmm. some point. And Ann and I weren't dating at this point. No,
1: and I did an internship. He's like a year older than me. So I did my interp- internship a year later and really came to the same conclusion. And I had really wanted to be, in news or on TV, since I was about 10 years old, I'd been pretty singularly focused, you know, I went off a little bit wanting to be an astronaut, but mostly, <laughs> right, mostly singularly focused. Yeah, and
2: and and what I mean is that when I said I wanted to have a family is that we realized that the news station essentially owns you,
0: mm-hmm. right?
2: If there's mm-hmm. some catastrophe and you're a reporter or an anchor, you need to be at the station right away. You know, yeah. if it's your child's birthday, Forget it and the more successful
1: you get the more they own you Mm. because you you're the face you're the one to be there you're the one who's dependable and uh if you work later in the evening you know the late news is like the big show but that wouldn't enable you to be home for dinner with your kids or go to their games or all of these things so we came to the same conclusion different times same conclusion interesting so Mm. then what happened mr warren
2: well So backing up just a moment to this whole sports idea, which I think is hilarious, is that (laughs) I went to audition. This is my, I believe, uh, junior year of college. I went to go audition at campus television. And during that time, you just get up on a desk and you're reading from a teleprompter and you have to fill out this application saying what you want to do. Well, I wrote on this application, I'll do anything except for sports because I don't know sports. Mm -hmm. So Amy, what did I get hired to do?
0: sports
2: there you go yeah <laughs> which is hilarious and I learned a lot and it was a lot of fun but just funny now uh moving down the line a little bit well I'll, I'll go ahead and we'll transition from uh, your next questions and I'll I'll continue with the sports theme
1: okay so are we ready for this part we want to know to answer the question like how does that show get on TV take us from through the process from start to finish whoo
2: yes okay. <laughs> Well, you start in the pre-production phase. You generate an idea of what your television show is going to be. Once a production company and the network decide on that, then you put together a a first episode, right? And there are so many things you're trying to establish. You're trying to establish your style, you're trying to establish uh you know everything about how you're shooting and everything about what you're going to be revealing. Like it is the person going to be in the center of the frame for their interviews are they going to be off to the side do you always want them addressing the camera all of these things are there are just so many things to think through but usually you've got uh, an executive producer who's helping to drive that ship so you go through production and you start doing all of that and then you start taking all of those digital files that are ready and those go back to the production company after that they take Every bit of media, and it is substantial. They take every bit of media and they convert it into much smaller files because what they're going to do is a lot of these companies have remote editors now and so and remote producers. And so what they need to do is they need to get all of those clips sent to all the various people. So you have an assistant editor who sits there with all the clips and starts building out everything. And what I mean by that is they're putting everything in sync. You've got all the video files that are filmed, right? And sometimes you'll have, let's say three cameras filming, or sometimes you could have up to 10 cameras with GoPros all in different positions. Mm -hmm. So what they do is they take that and they record what's called discrete audio. That means that every character has uh, his or her own microphone so that you can get clear audio for each of them. So what they do is they line all of that up. And that takes quite a bit of time, although they have some programs that are automatic to help you out. Now, after all of that is built, then you start giving that to various producers. And sometimes you'll export huge files or long files to see everything that's going on. For the most part, you're ready to have those stories start to develop. So all of those are sent out and given to producers who essentially watch... Every single minute of footage to try and start building a story. Now, and how much
0: footage could that be? Like for a 30 minute show, how much footage does somebody have to watch? The producer?
2: It's a great question. And it kind of depends. So let's say on a cooking show, you could have, you know, three hours of footage, and that's a lot. I mean, you could have, you know, down to I mean, they used to film them exact for time, right? A cooking show was just, Mm -hmm. they'd hit start. And then at the end of a half hour, you'd have a show that's done.
0: Rachel Ray's 30-minute meals. That's what comes to my mind. There you go. Uh, But
2: for other shows where you have so much storytelling and so many different pieces, you could have a ton of media. So for instance, I bet I've got like 48 hours of media for a a 60-minute show.
0: Mm. Uh, But That
2: would be for, you know, uh, a National Geographic show, let's say. Right. Because you have so many different cameras and so many different pieces of the puzzle to put together.
0: Mm. Yeah. Wow. So
2: from the uh, producers, they start putting together their stories. So- essentially what happens is the executive producer has some semblance of an idea of what the show will be, right? If you're filming, let's say a veterinarian show and you have a dog that comes in, right? So you start with the dog coming in the door and an initial inspection or evaluation. And then from there, if there's a problem, then they're going to go into surgery or whatnot, right? So you generally have an idea, oh, here's what the story is. Mm -hmm. So once you have all of those, you put together a storyboard. So for a show where you've got, let's say the veterinarian show, you've got uh, tons of different animals and you start putting them together so that you can see story arcs happening across an entire show. And you want to show multiple animals. So here's a dog, here's a parrot, here's a gecko, whatever it might be, right? And you put all those together. So you kind of have an idea what that show might look like when it's finished. Then the producer is going to take that and start creating storylines out of each of those, and that includes breaks, it includes, you know, the, all the drama that needs to be there, and they might have some funny moments and things like that. And they create uh, an initial story. So let's say they create uh, every segment has to be around three minutes. They create let's say five to six minute segments, and they send it to the editor. That's where my magic happens. And it doesn't happen with just a magic wand. I wish that was the case.
0: (laughs) Right. So (laughs) this is where you come in, right here. Correct.
2: Correct. Yeah. So what I do with, let's say, each of those six-minute segments is I start to pare it down and start to fine tune everything. What that means is I'm removing superfluous audio. I start, uh, you know, moving things in different places to help tell that story, how I think it should be told. Like it's generally the same story, right? That dog is still having surgery. (laughs) But for me, I'm looking for those shots where, you know, that dog is looking up, you know, in pain maybe and trying to show all of those moments that truly capture the essence of that story. Right. And for all of storytelling, you want everything to be there, right? You want all the emotion. You want uh, you know, it to be funny and you want it to be sad and every emotion in between mm-hmm. because you need to be able to, I mean, that's how we relate to each other. Oh, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Anyways, so I take that six six minutes and start paring it down to a story that's more manageable and cleaning up all the audio and making sure that, you know, because we cut words at a time, right? When mm-hmm. you go to edit this show right here, you know, <laughs> this podcast, you're going to take that and you're going to sometimes, maybe not down to the word like I would, but you'll, you'll edit it down, right? Like, oh, Jeff was talking too much. Cut that. <laughs> <laughs> so... Anyway, so I start getting that together. And then, where there are moments where, let's say, something's funny happening, uh, I'm always going through tons of footage looking for laughter, you know, listening for that so I can add those little, you know, pearls that really help to tell a story. I also go through and add all the music into it. And the funny thing about my job is that the best thing I could hear is that they didn't notice me which is funny, right? Because yeah. so many jobs, it's like you produce something and you're saying, oh, look at the," Or like, you know, if someone produces art, you know, they paint a picture and they say, look at this. You look at it and say, wow, I can see all the brushstokes and all of this. Right. But when you're watching a TV show, you don't want anything to get in the in the way of the story. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I have a job where my entire job is, is not to be noticed.
1: And I think the interesting thing about this to me is that really what Jeff does, like it feels technical sometimes in the way he describes it, but is very, very much artistry. Mm -hmm. And as you get to know editors who edit shows, you could detect their style. You could detect the way they use audio to tell a story, or if they just let a moment hang on for just an additional second, like there's just all this nuance. I think that makes it art. Absolutely. I would agree.
0: I would agree.
2: You know, Anne was a producer at Channel 7 in Denver for a long time, and she just jumped right into it. And she was an incredible producer and editor. And the fun thing about editing and producing is that you're constantly gleaning knowledge from other people, right? You see something that someone else has done and you think, oh, I need to recreate that, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. like, um, so I'll share another quick story about uh, my jobs. Is that so? I I wasn't interested in sports. Right. Well, after I worked at Comcast editing commercials, I heard from a friend of mine who said, "Hey, I work for the Colorado Avalanche and Denver Nuggets. You want to come work with me?" And I thought, "Okay, so here I go." I go in there and I know nothing about what's going on in <laughs> hockey. Uh, It was incredible, you know, to be there and do all these things because you're editing uh, for the Jumbotron in the middle of the arena. And I feel like there's some
0: pressure on like there's a lot of pressure. Right, uh, like you gotta put it up there here in thirty seconds.
2: Yeah, except for that job, it was more like creating segments that in advance that would play in a game. Okay, so gotcha. I'd be editing like you know a couple days in advance, knowing that oh, you want all these great hits or these you know awesome goals mm-hmm. um, or great saves, whatever it is for hockey, right?
0: Yeah. So yeah.
2: we'd do that. Sometimes it would be very timely, like they'd produce something and we need to send it right out. Well, so some
1: I should say I'm going to interrupt to say this part. So. Jeff was the editor when the first time that the Colorado Avalanche won the Stanley Cup and he brought me, we got to see the game, but he had game to seven. keep leaving to go like make up for the Jumbotron right now. And of course, when they won, like he wasn't right there. Like he was yeah. in the guts of the,
0: Pepsi you were Center celebrating by yourself. Okay. So what I think is funny is my husband from Colorado, hugest Colorado Avalanche Avalanche fan ever. And I I am positive he was watching. Yep. Like that same game it was epic. when they won the Stanley Cup. Yeah. That's wild. Yep. It wild. was epic. Yep. That that is the like you you started off your career with a really cool job. Let's be honest.
2: I did. Yeah. I feel really really blessed to have this job because so many people have jobs where they are unhappy or trapped or whatever it might be. And for me, I very rarely have a day where I think, "Ah, oh, I have to work. And that is that is very fortunate for me. The only thing that I do regret is the number of hours that are required of mm-hmm. this job because you want everything to be perfect. Right. And you have to spend a lot of time making sure that everything looks right, everything sounds right, again, so that I'm not noticed. So that's the only thing that is, that can be difficult.
0: So you, that you moved from that job to what, because now you're, you are an editor for TV shows, which right now you could totally name drop those shows that we've all watched. (laughs) I want you to name drop the shows. Totally. Okay. (laughs) So
2: for Food Network, primarily I've worked on Giada De Laurentiis's cooking shows, and she's a phenomenal chef. And I, I probably did that for 10 years or so. Yeah. And then interspersed in there, I've worked on a number of different ones. Um, I've worked on a bunch of items for Disney. Um, I've worked on a lot of home renovation shows. <laughs> Drop
1: uh, the names. Yeah, the one knees. of us,
2: sorry, yeah, name name yes, so the very first show, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called Rezoned. It was so cool. It was working with my friend, John version who was the executive producer. And uh, essentially it was about people who bought buildings and turned them into their homes. So barns Ooh. and missile silos, trash incinerators, you name it, these people had transformed it. And there it is. It's like these a tremendous stories that I get to be a part of working yes. on. Yes.
1: And um, how about more recently? Letters. Yeah. Something.
2: So right now I'm working on one called Secrets of the Zoo, which is on Nat Geo Wild and Disney Plus, which is a phenomenal show. It, mostly because, well, it's a behind the scenes show covering zookeepers and everything that happens behind, excuse me, at the zoo. And what I find so incredible about it is how passionate the keepers are and the veterinary staff everyone working there loves these animals and i feel like a lot of times in life people lack passion and when you get a chance to see it and to work on a show that represents that it's incredible it it gives you energy you know mm-hmm. by by being able to share those stories so yeah that's so,
0: so you didn't you um you basically own your own business right so how correct. did how did you make those contacts so that you could sell yourself as an editor.
2: Great question. So, after I worked at uh, for the Colorado Avalanche and Denver Nuggets, then I moved back to Comcast. Uh, at, and that time I was producing shows. A great friend of mine, Jamie Johnson, uh, she started working there. And I worked and, with her too. Yeah. And I Anne worked with at Channel
1: 7. Yeah. Ah!
2: With Jamie prior. Yeah. Jamie was one of my first contacts. She only stayed at Comcast a short time and she went down to another production company. So, I started uh, working with her, moonlighting. Uh, working on a show called Rally Around the House. And that was hilarious. It was all about locking homeowners in their house. And then they'd redo all of the exterior. And it was hilarious because some of the, some of the ideas they come up with, you're like, oh my gosh, this person is going to lose their mind when they see what they've done. <laughs> it was so funny, but overall just a really cool show. So I started working with her down there. Like um, I would do my day job working at Comcast and then every night I'd go down and work with her. And oh, wow. so from there, uh, you just start meeting a lot of people, just as you said, networking. And that's mm-hmm. huge in this business uh, because as soon as you start working with people, you want to work more with those people. You trust them. You understand their work. You understand their style. You feel how people work well with each other. And so from there, it, it just took off. So I've worked for uh, probably a dozen different production companies at this point, And it's all about people moving from place to place. And then they say, oh, you know, I know this guy named Jeff Warren., uh, you should get a hold of him. So I've been very, very fortunate in that regard.
0: love it, ok. So what is your favorite thing about editing? You may have already said it because you've said a lot of things that you like. but what what like makes you go, oh my word, I love this.
2: That's a great question, too. I think my favorite part is after I've spent, let's say, four or five days on a single segment or, You know, working on a portion. And then I sit back and I watch it and I'm fired up because I have just worked on a story that people get to experience. And I think that that's just an incredible feeling to think, oh, I I made that, you know, and oftentimes I'll bring Anne and our daughters into the room. That was my
0: next question. Like, do you go come watch this, you guys?
2: Yes. (laughs) He doesn't
1: do it very often. So when he does do it, like, you know, it's going to be something really cool. Yeah. Sometimes Mm
2: -hmm. I'll bring him down and say, hey, I've I've done uh, what's called a rough cut. So that's your very first pass on an entire show. Let's say sometimes I'll bring him in to watch an entire rough cut with me. And that's really cool because Uh, I get to see their reactions as well, right? Like, for instance, if something funny happens, I can be watching and see if they're actually going to laugh at that. And if they are going to laugh at it, how much time did it take for them to laugh so that I'm not putting more information Ah. stacked upon that funny moment, right? So Mm. that's kind of a nice way to see it. I will back up and say, when I worked for the Avs, That was unbelievable to make a segment and have it go on the Jumbotron and then have people reacting. You'd hear, you know, 19,000 people say, (laughs) oh, you know, after some hit or, you know, uh, I remember for the Stanley Cup playoffs, we edited a brand new open to this song, this techno song, Mortal Kombat. It was hilarious. But (laughs) I went down where the Zambonis come out of the shoot and because I wanted to see it in the arena for the first time. And so the lights drop uh, earlier than expected. Usually they have like, we have an open that would play, but this was a pre-open, let's call it. Uh And so the lights drop and everyone is going crazy. There's so much energy inside of that arena. But uh, all of a sudden that piece starts playing and I'm standing right by the rink and there are these people right in the stands next to me. And as it starts playing, the guy says, no way they changed the open. (laughs) (laughs) And it was so funny. You felt so
0: seen, didn't you? Yeah, totally. That's a great
2: way to say it. Yeah, I felt totally seen. So, yeah, uh, I think that there are those experiences that are just so funny. Another one is uh, this is really cool. So, um, my editing mentor that I mentioned, John, he ended up moving out to Los Angeles and he would oversee the implementation of uh, post production across mediums. So, he'd work like On the you know America's Got Talent, American Idol, American Idol, Mm. and all these shows, yeah, the Oscars, yeah, Disney. Mm. Well, anyways, he started working with Disneyland, and what he would do is bring in all these editing systems, and when they launch uh, a new park or or not a new park. When they would launch a new area or a new ride, they would have all the reporters come in so and all these bloggers and everyone else because they wanted to produce all of this exciting content. So people would see it because the more things you produce, the more it's seen, et cetera. Anyways, they would hire a slew of editors to come in and work for it. Now, so, so because I knew John, he's like, Hey, get this guy out from Denver. And so I'd fly out there and work these events. And it was so cool. So many great people, but the coolest part is that we'd get to go on the ride before it was (laughs) open to the public.
0: Oh, that's cool.
2: Oh, so cool. Yeah. So there are those little things that you get to do, which you think, Oh, I'm, I'm an editor, you know, I just at home or at a production company, but no, there are just so many different experiences you can have in that. So it's been a really incredible career in that regard and each of those times Anne and the girls have come with me which is hilarious because while I'm sitting behind the scenes editing they're at the park playing <laughs> right.
1: Well, and there are definitely some perks to be Jeff's wife you know and he's a this amazing editor and one of them is Jeff has been nominated for an Emmy five times and he's won twice what that's so cool that means we've gone to the Emmy awards we walk the red carpet we sit with all the people wait and for the category to come up and see if his name is called and it's been called twice that yeah. is it's like the these coolest. Surreal, yeah, it's like these surreal experiences where you're like, I'm just a middle-aged woman.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. yeah, that's another
1: podcast. Uh, I mean, I talked about it, but yeah. <laughs> I'm someone's mom and wife and I'm walking the red carpet. Like, right.
2: Yeah, and that is a hilarious experience too. You're walking the red carpet and they give you this sign to hold up with your name. Oh, and there right. are all these photographers. Because no
1: one knows your name. Yeah, because right. no
2: one knows your name. And so there are all these photographers and, you know, you're watching the red carpet and whenever like an A-lister comes up, they scoot them to the front of this line. You're, you're standing in line for like an hour in this tuxedo and hands in this, you know, beautiful gown and you're just standing there sweating and they're just escorting these A-listers. And so they go down (laughs) and the people are interviewing them and taking pictures and stuff. And then you go down and you're holding your sign and (laughs) and they're all. They're all holding the cameras (laughs) up in the air and you hear them click and they're like, Yeah,
0: courtesy clicks. Yeah,
2: totally. Courtesy
0: clicks. I love it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but that's just, it's an incredible experience to go. That's for sure.
0: So fun. Okay. So, do you have any desire to or any ideas for a show yourself that Uh. you want to produce?
2: So, we have produced many, many. They call them sizzle reels. And that's what you produce in order to pitch your idea to a network and we've had so many Some cool really ones. really good ones yeah and just nothing has hit it's hilarious we produced this one called
1: the dia one no 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 Drew the, Hastings?
2: Uh, no, no the uh the chef one hold on a oh, second dinner there.
1: party crashers oh yeah <gasps>
2: okay so backing up We produced this one sizzle called Dinner Party Crashers, and it was about these two executive chef brothers, and they crash this dinner party, uh, and then they create a meal, and the guests vote on who the best chef is. It was so cool.
0: I would love that show. I would love it. Thank you. Yeah,
2: It was so fun, uh, but the networks passed. Uh, However, we did enter it into the New York Television and Film Festival, and we won the whole thing with that Oh, my word! Yeah, so (laughs) you're like, okay, well, I guess that was cool. So we've tried many times. It's just a very, very difficult process because you're investing so much time and Mm -hmm. money and effort into Mm -hmm. producing something that may never see the light of day. Right.
1: And it's a fickle industry because... Like you could produce something that's really great, but if the network doesn't think it's something that people want to see right now mm-hmm. or that they're not into that, like kind of when reality TV was in its heyday and it was like rather trashy or dramatic just mm-hmm. for the sake of drama, like mm-hmm. they wouldn't necessarily want a more wholesome show Right. and now people all they want is wholesome show. So like <laughs> it just, it swings back and forth and it's really mm-hmm. hard to catch the pendulum at just the right time. Right. But it's been, I've been so proud of Jeff. He's tried and made some great content. Whether anyone sees it or not,
0: it doesn't right. matter. So you won't stop, right? You'll keep making the sizzle reels and pitching the, oh, he's I
2: think. I, I don't know. I, I think so. I still have a passion for seeing some of our own shows come to fruition. I think that'd be- incredible, but you, you know, you, you try it so many times and Mm -hmm. I just don't know if that's exactly where God wants us. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, if you, so, so I'll have to, you know, if the right idea and the right show comes around, I think, I think yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah.
1: So later in our podcast season, you are going to talk with Amy Hayes, who is someone that Jeff created a sizzle reel around and got a lot of traction, got like right up to the cliff and then
2: What? And then nothing. Uh, So yeah. And Amy's one of those people, like, it's just an incredible story. And everything she does is just wonderful. And you watch her and she's got that, you know, spark that Mm -hmm. you need on TV and Mm -hmm. her team has it and everything about it. But it's like they may just find one thing and they say, ah, that's not it.
0: Gonna pass. Oh, man. For no other
2: reason, except for just that's what they think. Not not quite right.
0: That's crazy. I, I feel like I should be like the one making those decisions because I mean, I know what I would watch. Like
1: we should know? put it to popular vote instead of letting the network figure it out. Exactly. Don't you think? Exactly. And uh-huh. just so you know,
0: Jeff, like Anna and I talked about how I would like to be a, um, one of my secret dreams is to be an action female stunt woman on a movie or TV. So if you ever need someone to step in right here,
2: I really appreciate that. Yeah, you know, yeah. maybe we could mix in some of that footage of the matchbox car on fire right. and you could escape. I don't know. Yes. We'll we'll figure out something for you. Sounds
0: like a plan, <laughs> Jeff. This has been so enlightening and so fun. I feel like you could probably talk about this for hours and give us a million more great stories.
2: Yeah, but- absolutely. Well, thank you very much for having me, both of you.
1: Yes, thank you for being here in your own living room mm-hmm. with me today,
0: right? <laughs> <laughs> And their dog, I'm going to post a picture on social media of their sweet dog Wrigley, who is happily sleeping right behind you on India. National Dog Day, by the way.
2: Oh, I didn't what? realize it was you National Day. You need to post dog a picture. Day. It's National Dog Day. Okay, yeah. good to know. <laughs> and he's sleeping through it. Unbelievable.
0: All right. Thanks for being here, Jeff. And we will catch everybody next time. Thanks for joining us around the campfire this evening. We hope you learned something not only
1: about our guests, but maybe even about yourself. If you enjoyed our conversation and want to make sure you don't miss our next Campfire Chat, please hit the subscribe button.
0: Or even better, we'd love for you to drop a review to help others find a place around the campfire. Thanks so much. Until next time.